0: First Kings Chapter Three First Kings Chapter Three Verse Five it says, In Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and god said ask what i shall give thee ask what i shall give thee you know many times when god comes to a people god doesn't say god comes because he's willing to do something for the people that's why god comes yet when he's here he doesn't just come and say I want to do this for you. Many times God doesn't come at us and say, you know, you know, for us, it will be e- sometimes you will think it will be easier because God if God comes and says, I want to do a b c. I want to give you this, I want to give you that. It might be easier, but God doesn't operate that way because number 1 God never tramples on the will of a man. It's one thing to say I want to give you this. If I say I don't want You know, you could say, I want to buy you a car. And I say, I don't want your car. Are you still going to buy the car? No, if you buy it and I give it away for free, or I refuse to take it from the person that came to deliver it, you cannot blame me because I already told you I do not want your car. But it's different if you came to me and said, would you like a car? And I'm like, oh, yes, sure, I would like a car. What card do you want? Most of you here know the card that I want. So when it turns up, you won't be surprised. (laughs) Hallelujah. So God came to Solomon. Solomon had made offerings and offerings. And the Lord came to him and said, What ask me? What would you want me to do for you? God gives all of us that blank check. What would you want me to do for you? And unfortunately, many times, that blank check throws people. Because that blank check is not only drawing from your... your, How do I put this? Lord, help me. When God says, ask me what you want me to do, that question draws on everything that makes you, you. That question draws on your personality, that person draws on that question draws on your knowledge of who you think God is that question draws on your maturity in God do you understand me so when God says ask me what would you like me to give you it is more as much as God would indeed give you as you have asked, as long as it is not a violation of his will, it is also a question of how grown are you? How much do you know me? How much do you understand me? And you will see from this man's response here, verse 6, And Solomon said, Thou hast shown unto thy servant David my father great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept from him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Verse 7. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. I know how... I know not how to go out or come in, and thy servant is in the midst of thy great people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered or counted for multitude. verse eight, verse 9. Give therefore thy servant an understanding art to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge these thy great, so die, so great a people verse 10 and the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked for this thing there would have been many acceptable answers for Solomon and whatever he had asked God would have given because he had broken through but there was an answer that was going to please the Lord And by the help of God, Solomon was able to find the answer that would please the Lord. Many other answers would have been acceptable, but there was that one answer that pleased the Lord. And if we start to dissect this comment of Solomon here, you will realize that at this point, from that answer, Solomon had wisdom that was already greater than that of the average person. Solomon had grown up with David he had seen the mistakes he had seen the repercussions he had learned from his father he is he, also he's, he has learned from his mother so solomon was already a well polished child because in those it, it, there, there is always a curriculum even today there is a curriculum for people that are to become potential kings so it wasn't it wasn't that solomon started preparing for kingship when david died there, so there had been a measure of, of learnings. He would have been learning the history of the nation. He would have been learning wisdom. He would have been learning so many things. And those things, that, that maturity that he had up to that point showed when the Lord came and said, Ask, what do you want? And you start to see him. Because he, started, he, started, he didn't start from his own self. He started by drawing on the covenant that God had with his father. So he started from David. He said, "You know, hmm, David was such a great man in your presence. Me, I'm but a small child. Help me to at least, me- at least, at least give- help me with a measure of the kindness and the grace and the power and the wisdom and everything that you gave unto David." You notice that it, it, as as great as Solomon was, Solomon was is still not as great as David even today. Even up till today. So, Solomon realized quickly that there was something special between God and his father. And he he, he leveraged that and said, you've been kind to make me his son, the king now. Can you please help me like you helped David? So, if we decide to dwell here, we can stay here for the old, but let's just, I, I, I only pointed out that maturity because I'm going to, to the New Testament. So, um, if you now go to Matthew chapter 9. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. It says, And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of who? You notice that there was an understanding of, of the relationship of God with David that permeated the understanding of the children of Israel, such that when these ones were going to ask for mercy, they said, Thou son of David. Was Jesus, in a sense, not the son of Solomon, too? Was he not? He was genealogically speaking jesus came that way (laughs) so was he not the son of joseph even was he not the son of judah well but why do we come and say (laughs) why do we come and say son of david what was it about david And Apostle had taught us here before of the show sure message of David, so I'm not even going to go there. But there was something that God had with David, such that, you know, I've told us the history of David before. David was the the mistake in his in his in his father's house. David was you know you know how men um, already have all their children and all that, and then they decide to go and stumble at um, other woman. And the woman got pregnant and had a baby. So David was that child. That's why it was easy for them the day Samuel came. To leave David in charge of the sheep. He was the youngest of them. Yet he was the one in charge of the sheep. Knowing fully well that there was potential for lions and bear and all this. They didn't care much about him normally it's supposed to be the elder ones that do that and the younger ones stay at home or at least the younger ones stay with the elder ones but because david was that as i david was saying if my father and my mother forsake me because his father didn't really have a say because he wasn't as legitimate as shaman and the rest of them same father but not the same mother and so his lot was that when everybody was doing their own thing in the city, David would be in the wilderness with the sheep. And you know the way they were—they they, were—they tend they sheep in where is, Sometimes they go for weeks. You remember the story of Joseph? Joseph was looking for his brothers, and he got they he got when I can't remember the place. And they said ah, they've left, and then he started making his way all the way to Doron, I think. And so, so keeping sheep that day. You know where you leave home with the sheep. Where you come back is in the hand of God. So you had a 17-year-old by himself watching a flock. And sometimes David would be gone for two weeks. And there's nobody that will come and look for You remember the day that even when Samuel came, what happened? They had to, Prophet Samuel insisted that all of you must stand and wait until they found David. But it was that process that made David. Such that eventually when he was in the cave of Adulam and all sorts of human beings came and joined themselves to him, he became captain over them. He already had the wisdom to manage those things. He knew what it meant to be alone. He knew what it meant to be forsaken. He knew what it meant to not have anything. He knew what it meant to be, to be to not be accepted. And you know it's interesting because None of these things were his fault. Were they his fault. Was he the one that made himself? When his father and his mother were doing their business, was he there? Yet, he was the one that ended up paying for all those things. Why didn't they kick their own father out of the house and say, you go to ship? <laughs> you know? Well, interestingly, at the end of the day, he, he, even his own family, his brothers and all of them descended down, descended to go and join him in the care of Adulam. And he became captain of Adam. And you know, anyway, let me know. Let me not go into all of that. that there is a reason that the sons of Zeruiah, Joab and Abishai and all of them became a pain. Have you ever wondered why David couldn't do anything to Joab? Even though Joab was a pain, that's because Joab was his family. Joab was his cousin, so it was it was it was family. That's why the only thing he could say is, "You sons of Zeruiah, you are too much for me." Because he, he, there's nothing. The, what, what would he do? It's nothing he would do. Is it not David? Yeah. Well, if, but it, for me, Joab was more of a brother than David's brothers. Because even when Joab would go out, lead the war, and normally if he goes in, then he takes the city, then the city is in his name. He will send messages to David and say, I've conquered, but I have not entered, so that my name would not be on the city. You come. So David would just roll, roll in with his horse, enter the city, and claim the city. So David, when everything was going good, that's why he didn't mind staying at home when he should have gone for war. Because he knew that Joab knew his business. Joab was a lot of things. But Joab's loyalty to David was not questionable. When David could not deal with Absalom, it was Joab that went and, you are my cousin, but you got to go. Hallelujah. Anyway, that's not what I'm saying today. The, 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 The message today is according to your faith. And we started by saying that God gives blank checks. And sometimes that blank check can be the making or the undoing of a person. This blind, these two blind men came to Jesus and said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What did Jesus say to them? Verse 28, Matthew 9 says, And when he was come to the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Believe ye that I am able to do this... Do you believe that I am able to do this? Then said unto him, Yeah, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith. I'm trying to help us see a connection where in, the Lord said to Solomon, What would you have me do for you? The Lord is now speaking to this blind man and he's saying, Number one, do you believe that I can do this? They said, Yes. Then he said, according to your faith. And last week, I was telling you that according to your faith goes two ways. According to your faith can mean because you are, okay, this be done to you because you have faith for it. According to your faith also means you get to the degree to which you can believe for. These two men believed that the Lord Jesus could heal them, heal their eyes. And he did. This one's had physical contact and said, Do you believe I can hear you? Sure. And then he he, 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 and then he touched. Look at this scenario. He touched their eyes and they received. If you go to Mark chapter five, Mark chapter five, verse twenty-eight. Mark five, twenty eight. You see another one there. This is now the woman with the issue of blood. Therefore, she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be made whole. So in our own case, you know, the two blind men went to the Lord Jesus and spoke to him, and they he touched the eyes and they got it. This one was another level of faith where she didn't even need to speak to the Lord. She all she wanted was to touch the helm of his garment. You see the third story in, in Luke chapter seven. To jump quickly to Luke chapter seven verse eight. For this now this is now the centurion. It says for I am also for I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers, and I say to one go and he goeth, and now to another come and he cometh, and to my servant do this. And he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. What was the extent of this one's faith? The extent of his faith was an understanding of of, of the authority that words carry the lord said oh don't worry i'm coming to you you don't need to come in other words i'm a man under authority if i want something done i don't need to go there to go and get it done i just need to speak the word and the machinery that gets that thing done kicks into motion so your this this centurion understood." The power in words because he himself was a man under authority. So you see the first set of people, they they spoke to the Lord, they touched their eyes, they saw. You saw somebody else that didn't want, didn't need to even speak to God, and all she did was touch the helm of his garment, and she was made whole. Then you see this one that had the conversation with God. You don't even need to touch the sick man. I just need you to say. All these three people eventually got their miracles. But you will notice that Jesus, the Lord Jesus was the constant factor there. He, he, he always wanted to heal. Left to Jesus, there will be no sick person left in Jerusalem or Judea. If it was up to Jesus, he would just clear everybody's sickness. But it wasn't just up to him. It was up to the person in question. What is the level of faith that we have? How do we, how do we grow in our faith such that we can, we can receive things that are absolutely insane to other people? You know, I heard the story of, 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 of someone and he went to visit a servant of God, one of my favorite servants of God. I think the person traveled from this country, went down to visit the servant of God and when he got there, you know, typically when somebody flies down, you want to, you know, make the person comfortable, give the person a room, you know, you know, you know the kind of honor you give someone that took the, that believed so much and took that old trip. So the person got there and the sound of God said, um, okay, we've made, we've prepared you a room. And he said, ah, <laughs> this matter is not a matter of room. Just leave me in the living room. And the, this person was so broken-hearted that the Son of God said, when he, when he comes into the house, he will meet the guy there. The guy will be praying and praying and praying and crying, serious tears to God. The Son of God will look at him and hey, Lord, have mercy. The Son of God will go. When he's in his room, when the guy is tired, he will sleep. When he wakes up, he will continue lord god said the man was so broken like that when they are going for service in the evening they won't even bother calling the guy and say we are going to church. everybody was passing quietly because even though the man was in the house of the servant of god he didn't come for the servant of god he knew that there was a god that god lived in that house but that the servant of god was not god so it's not because anytime you see me, hey. <laughs> he said, you God said that his own heart was even broken on behalf of the man. Like the man just said, Lord, please. <laughs> you know, you know, as Sabbath of God, Sabbath of God must be honest. When you are not when the unction is not there, don't pretend it is there. If the anointing is not there, don't pretend. You know, sometimes God t- will test you the anointing will come so strong on your life and all that and all that and then the next week it looks like it's even God that called me. Sometimes it's just God watching you. What are you going to do? Are you going to come here and say, hmm, the Holy Ghost is so strong and he said, when he did not say, that is how men get stuck on the measure that they are. When it's now becoming a performance thing rather than an Holy Ghost thing. If the Holy Ghost doesn't want to turn up, you cannot drag him out. All you can say is, have mercy. The Son of God said, Lord, have mercy. He say, so, the of God said that, I think on the third day, the Son of God was in his room and you just know when deliverance has come for a person. It wasn't because, the, you know, the, the presence just came. And he, they knew that, okay, the prayer of this young man has been answered. So, the man finally got up. The man He didn't eat. He didn't shower. He didn't. He, he just, as he just dropped his bag, he just laid on the living room and said, please leave me here. <laughs> just leave me. Here. And the man was not, wasn't, a, he was an intelligent, brilliant human being. He wasn't like, he was, he, but the demons had decided they were going to spoil his own completely. So on the third day when his deliverance came, like you could tell that the presence of God was strong in the house and the guy was set free. And the the following week the man basically rolled into millions of dollars in one week. There is always the way God does where where there are always two ways to get things done. There is always the Adamic mandate where the Lord, the, the Lord said, reign, rule, overrule, subdue, and all that. You go by that way, you obey the principles, you get the results. Because those laws are set in stone. But there's also the one that comes from outside the dimensions of time and Adam. Where God just decides, you know what, I'm just going to, let us shortcut this thing. So that you can move on to something more important let me give you this money so you can fund these urgent things that I need to do. And it will not be because you are wise. Even you will know that God just decided to. But then, even when God has done that, you will now still, because that is a one-off deposit, then you now have to, now in your maturity and understanding of Adamic things, mandates and, and permission, and provision to now keep maintaining that which you got by a divine. Normally, you would is it is it a good thing to to do lottery? Is it a, is it is it a godly thing to go and play the lottery? Is it? You know, <laughs> <laughs> hallelujah! There was a servant of God one day. And they had a, 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 it was, it was God sent him on a trip. God has spoken to him. You need to go and see this person. You need to go and see that person. You need to give this person this amount of money. Give that person the amount of money. Give that person this and this and this and this and this. Okay, sir. And after the conversation, the, lo- the man was like, ah, sir, um, where is the, all this money you say I should give people it's not in my bank account and it's not in my back pocket. So where's the money going to come from? The Lord said, okay, I will, I uh, don't worry. You just be patient. So, so, so like, I think the next day or so, the servant of God goes and the Lord said, go down to the shop and buy a lottery ticket. I said, huh? And I said, go down to the shop and buy a lottery ticket. So, he went, bought the ticket. And you know what? He He, he won the exact amount of money that he needed for everything the Lord said he should do. Not a penny more. Not a penny less. Not a penny more. Not, there was no extra payment for the walk he walked to the shop. <laughs> God didn't give him one pound extra for the walk he walked to the shop. Nothing more. Nothing less. We are, I said that because we are going to be seeing testimonies that are going to be unusual. And that people would say, is that even allowed? Is that even, are you even supposed, does the Bible even allow you to do that or not? Because many times people, hmm, people fixate on the word so much that they forget that it was someone that wrote it. And that the person that wrote it can give you instructions that do not Invalidate the word, but that reveal the word in a way that you had not seen it before. Many times when we say there are, there are the Bible is is multi layered. Such that, you, and that is where the challenge in the body of Christ comes. Sometimes you you at the level of revelation you have, you are right, but at the at the level of revelation that the person speaking to you is speaking from the person is also right. But because you, do not, you are not on the same plane of revelation, it looks like that person is speaking blasphemy. Until, and then you go out and attack the person. And, and then two years later, you come to the, into the same understanding that that person had. Unfortunately, the audience you had when you were attacking him is not the same, it is not the same audience you have. After you understand it, are you going? If you go and buy, if any of you goes buy the lottery tomorrow, you will lose your money. Let us just be clear about that one, <laughs> because it was a direct instruction. It was the same God that says, "Go to the fish." Do you do you understand the miracle of the fish that Peter had to go fish and pick out one that one fish that had the money in his mouth? Do you know what that means? It meant that every fish in the ocean that saw that hook avoided it. I mean, you know what it means? Fish will see worm dangling on a rope, and all the fishes are like, um, no, nah, this is not mine. Move over, move over, move over. And every all the fishes were moving over until that one that had the money came and said, Oh, yeah, this is my this is my job. You you know creation. Eh, hey, Jesus. You know, creation can hear, creation can see. It depends on who is talking. That fish that day would have counted it an honor to serve Jesus. Do you have you have you thought of it like that? Even if that fish was going to be eaten, that fish would still have counted it an honor to be eaten by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Huh? You said? It will be an, it, the, that fish would have considered it an honor to be the one that had the money for the tax <laughs> of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The fish finally found purpose. Found found purpose. <laughs> have you considered the, 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 the tree that Jesus hung on? What do you think that tree will be saying? What do you what what do you think <laughs> what would you think what would you think the perspective of that tree would be? Somebody said why it's me? Really. Somebody said why me? Because the victory got because it <laughs> It, it's because of the falling nature of creation that we sometimes don't think of creation as being alive in the sense of being alive. But creation was alive, still alive to an extent, but lost some of their faculties. But like the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. What did the donkey say? The donkey said, All these years I've been serving you. That means the donkey was counting. Was the donkey not counting? The donkey said, all these years I've been serving you. Have I ever disobeyed you? Well, that means the donkey could have disobeyed if he wanted to. That means the donkey had the capacity to disobey if he wanted to. He said, have I disobeyed you? No. Why? You are You hitting me. I'm trying to save your life here. You are hitting me. Hallelujah, this is not what we are supposed to talk about today. But it's because that creation could hear. That's why, if if creation could not hear, why was the Lord Jesus speaking to the ocean? Why did he bother opening this? You know, the Bible says that the Lord rebuked the wind. So the Lord basically said, what's this nonsense for? Don't you realize I'm here? If the wind couldn't hear, why was the Lord Jesus bothering to speak to him? Everything can hear you. Even your house can hear you. The, you, the scripture was saying that the stars in their courses fought against Sarah. What does it mean for the stars in their courses to f- fight against? It means even the stars are lined Against Caesarea that day that today. Even we <laughs> are against you. Because our maker is against you. Lift up your head so ye gates. Be ye lifted up your everlasting doors. Yes, doors are like does. opportunity. Gates are like. Many times when the Bible talks of gates, it talks of authority. Because, you know, the Proverbs 31 woman says that she, uh, her husband will speak peaceably at the gates. The gates is where, when when Ruth, when Boaz was going to marry Ruth, the Bible says he waited at the gate for other uh, person. To, so the gate is where matters are decided. And if you, so you don't, it's not today where the gates, where well, in many places you find beggars at the gates. Oh, no, no, no. The well, most well dressed people sit at the gate. The gate was the center, was the council meeting of the people that matter, where the men and powerful people sat to decide concrete issues. Everything can hear you. Your job can hear you. Your house, you can tell at listen this house, you will not, you will not, what's the, how do I put this in English? How do they say my in English? You will not be bewitched over me. Why do you anoint the lintels of your houses? Why do you anoint your doors? Say, this house, so as long as I am here, and the day you would know is that the day a, a wicked person will come, they will tell you that why is your house so hot? In the cold, they will be hot. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can, you can speak to situations and circumstances. Everything can hear you. Everything can hear. The question is, who is speaking? So the challenge is that we must strive to become people of authority that things will listen to. I, I've, I've taught us here before that many times the issue is that when we are, when we are, when we are saying, let there be this, there be this the, the, the situation is asking you, who are you? But because you don't, we do not have the understanding that even when you say this thing, when, when, when sickness says, when you say be healed in Jesus' name, that sickness is likely to check who is talking. It will check who is talking. And if you cannot, cannot find authority in the mouth of the person talking, that sickness is going nowhere. That's why somebody, somebody can say be just another but Somebody else. I told us the story of before of the servant of God that the, there was a man who's, the, the, the man went into coma and so the wife was jittery and running around and she went to this servant of God and said her husband is in coma and the servant of God looked up and said pot, break you can go. And she By the time she got back to the hospital, the husband was awake. Then the husband was narrating a story that actually, even though he was in a coma, he saw himself in a pot covered. So that was what the Son of God saw. That said, Pot break. He said that a lightning came from heaven and shattered the pot. That was where he woke up. Somebody else will be saying, In the name of Jesus, wake up. Isn't authority cannot be faked you have it or you don't you cannot pretend to be the queen of england you are either the queen of england or you are not it's it's so binary if you speak to a situation and it doesn't leave it means you do not have the clearance to talk to it so instead of battling what you what you you are battling about Go either you while you are asking God to increase your own measure, go and find somebody who has already found a greater measure than the one you have. As a general rule of safety, if you have been praying about the situation for a while and it has not gone, it is time to find other people to join hands with you. Either you break that situation using the corporate, there is an anointing in the corporate that it doesn't matter how powerful you are in the spirit, you cannot carry it. You can be the general overseer or over table, like people will say. <laughs> and your church membership is 4 billion people every Sunday, there is still a measure that you cannot carry as an individual. It must be corporate. That's why sometimes you see people that are no more than 100, and you see the mighty things happening in their midst. And then you see a gathering... Of fifty thousand that you even pay conference fee, and when you leave, you know I was listening to a message this I was just scrolling through Instagram this week and I alighted on a message, and the person was like, the person was being genuine, and one of them was like, "You know, uh, if you leave this conference and you don't leave feeling home, that was good. then that sh- the person had not done their job, and I was thinking, hmm. imagine leaving a conference, and that was good." Could be in the sense of the Lord moved. That was good. In the se- could, could also be said that the person spoke well. If it is that God moved, wonderful. If it was that the person spoke well, you know there are one of the jobs of Satan this season is to find people, men that will talk them into hell, make you comfortable while you are on the ride to hell. You you know you know typical pilots. It's, it's like pilots. When when the best the for when, when you're in a plane, the best news is no news. As long as your pilot doesn't see anything, everybody's calm. Once the pilot comes and says, "Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Susan." You said it the other time, <laughs> <laughs> and, then it, and then you come back and say, "Ah, my name is Susan." So, uh, um, I've been flying. Once they start to tell you the experience. It is the time to no pray in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Don't worry, we are we are experiencing a little tub- that little is said. The next thing that has come out of your mind is Kayiko Fe <laughs> hey! But like like yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hallelujah. The next thing, like, no problem. What? Because before they come to announce to you, they have tried. They already tried. Is that they know that, okay, there's no way you won't feel this issue that's is coming. So let's brace you. Uh, so it's like that. Satan is not, not bringing people, shepherds into the, in, into the house that, well-spoken, well-mannered, well-meaning in so many cases, But either way, wolves in sheep's sheep's clothing. And the other thing Satan is now doing is that he's now supplying those kind of men. He's also now supplying commentators such that in case you didn't hear what he said, there are people now whose all day job is to interpret five minute segments of what a servant of God said. Never mind that most people will not go and listen to the old message to get the context of what it meant and where it was coming from. Somebody can pick this message I preached today and cut the part where I talked about lottery and come back and say they've come again. They say we should be playing lottery. Is this a servant of God? Servant of God are scammers now. They fake UK-based fake... Preacher, um, what's the? I can already see the headline to be honest. Uh, UK based Nigerian pastor had implored church members to play the lottery. Said the Holy Ghost said, God can tell you to go and play lottery, so go and be played and then you will see the comments so irresponsible and they call themselves servants of god and they and see that, that, this is why and then you see the, the typical one this is why i don't go to church anymore <laughs> this is why i don't this is why i don't pay offering anymore the pastor wants the tithe is not enough, so the pastor wants people to win money so they can pay more tithe so they can buy now. And then they, they go and scroll through the pastor's feed and see if he bought the latest Jordans. Let me announce now that I'm soon going to be buying the latest Jordans. If you are not happy, Lord have mercy on your soul. <laughs> but you 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 understand me. So it's it's context. One of the greatest things in the world is context. When somebody says something, why? you know they will give us a, a sentence in a Bible or in a literature book and say, "Who said it? Why did he say it? To whom was he said? Where was he said? It, that's one of the greatest things we learned in school. Because if you cannot put in, you know that's why God is greater than all of us, because God can see the entire context. How what he's going to do for you uh, uh, would would look like in the days of Noah and look like in the days of the Antichrist. So God is big enough to compute every factor and still say, Okay, when I do this for this child at this particular time, it is still within the context of who I am. God is love, but the summary of but God is not. God is love. That's what scripture says. But God is not, this love is not the summary of entirety of who God is. God is also just. God is also kind. God is also fair. God is also, you understand? So when God wants to do anything, he has to consider his love, his justice, his kindness, his mercy, his, his everything, and still do it. Now, Now imagine that, so when he wants to do for you He has to do that much. When he does for him, he has to do that. He has to do for you in such a way that it doesn't ruin that. It doesn't ruin this. Yet, God doesn't stop doing. He doesn't stop doing. Because God can have all of us in mind. God can focus on one man. And yet, be, be focused on every man as one man. And one man as every man. But one of the limiting factors is how, how if you can, if you can picture, if you can have a revelation of how great God is, your worries, your worries will suddenly be so small. God factored in the fact that you were born in the most unfortunate place. He has already done the maths and has still concluded that you will still be great. God God has permutated and combined everything and he has still concluded that by the time you leave this world, you leave this world on your two feet, standing, having done all. So your concern is not who is against you. Your concern is who is for you and how well you are aligned with the person that is for you. And there are about... Um, five factors i mentioned here that would help us such so that when we talk of being, uh, when we talk of something according to our faith, that that faith will be big enough that what it's able to produce will make men marvel. I, if I say things that people will consider outrageous. I was thinking the other day I'm like, hmm. We are soon going to buy our church. How is it going to be here? And then that's what he said. So you go and buy an entire building and how many are you people? I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. Even if we are on the first row alone, if all of us sit on the first row and the building is a 1,000-seater building, it's fine. And I was thinking, I, I, I dream these things and I believe them and I have faith for them that the, the sound setup, the lightning, everything you can imagine would be absolutely insane that when people come in the first time, they will think we've existed for 52 years. It is what it is. If people think I'm crazy, you're welcome. Maybe I am. I'm not complaining. Because if you cannot hmm, do you think when Joseph was in in the prison, was he always, you think he wasn't thinking of the palace? Do you think he stopped thinking of his dreams? Do you think he forgot them? The fact that your, your physical location has no bearing on what God can do and wants to do through you. How long has it taken God to transport all of you here? How long did it take God? How many of you, how many, how many of you did it take five years to process your coming here? How many of you applied and and you got your visa in less than two months? So the question, so getting you here was never an issue as far as God was concerned. It was just the only issue was timing. All the things God will do for you, he has already scheduled them. At this time, this child will have... What happens sometimes is that we are sometimes, maybe through ignorance, we miss the season. Or sometimes we don't let God... We God has already said, this issue here is yours in 2023 or 2022 December. You want it by January. Oh, Lord, can I have this thing? And God is thinking, it's it's 11 months. It's 11 months away. And you are fasting, and you are praying, and you are this. And Let me ask you a question. A pregnant woman that found that she is pregnant this morning and starts to pray, Lord, I want my child this morning. Will God answer that prayer? If God answers that prayer, what is she going to get? Or she says, well, you know, God, there's nothing you cannot do. God says, yeah. So, can I have my own child in four months, please? Or, can I have my own child in six months, please? Even if you have that child in six months, it's going to stay in an incubator for how long? You would wish that child stayed in your tummy. At least you will be able to go around but if the child is in, there, is in an incubator, you stay next to the incubator. So many things in our lives like that. that that's why hmm. Daniel, when the angel went there, the day you prayed, God answered. But the prince of Pasha withstood me for 21 days. That's another topic entirely. Because that means this prince of Pasha was powerful enough to jail. God's messenger. And there was nothing that angel could do about it. That angel was not Gabriel. It was not Gabriel. The Bible didn't say it was Gabriel. You said it was Gabriel. (laughs) The Bible did not say so. And the angel now said, but Michael came. That means when God was going to deal with that prince, God sent a higher prince. Michael came and dealt to it And then the angel now said, "When I leave you now, I'm going to go back to with the king, with the um, with the what do you call it with the Prince of Greece. So you had the Prince of Pasha, you are the prince of Greece. the prince of Greece could jail the angel, but the angel was confident enough to say, I'm going to go back to the king of Persia, the king of Greece." So even though there was a king of Greece or a king of Persia, they were not mates. Spiritual order. Point number one. That's, that's not... <laughs> you see, the good thing is we are in church. So with time, we will be, we will be maybe picking these things one by one and just expanding. So the, the good news is that our faith is capable of enlarging. And the other good news is that the Holy Ghost has made provisions that allow for our faith to grow so we can receive bigger things. But we have to do something. We have to labor. So the first point today is that we must seek to understand what God has made available. That's part of our labors as children of God. That we seek to understand what God has made available. Because it is on us to... To labor for the expansion of what we can receive. Mark, if you look at Mark chapter 9, verse 23, it says, Jesus said unto him, If thou can't believe, all things are possible to him that believes. So the first point is that we must seek to understand what God has made available. The second point, is that you must come to that place where you settle it in your heart that if God has said it, it is possible for me. And those two points are, they are different. Number one is that you must believe that God can do it, regardless of how ridiculous it sounds to your mind. You know, I, I, I heard the story of a, of a family where the, the, I think it was dad that was saying The story. I don't know, maybe you've heard it, where where the, the they didn't have a child for about 12 years or so. They didn't have a child. And at some point, the people from you know where came and said, let's get another child. This woman is a witch. She's never going to have a child. Oh, and then somebody came and said, ah, it's because of the past life that the woman had lived. She had aborted all the children she needed to, that she could have had. And so... She can't have children. How do you even know her womb is there and all of that? I just once started laughing because it was the first person that ever slept with the lady. So the, the, it wasn't even true that some past life. And they stayed consistent. And I think after 15 years, they had the first one. I think they eventually ended up with like four children. You know, there was another story like that, that of somebody that came to Dad and said, um, "What? I think the person had actually gone to she she had, the person when she was younger had an abortion, and in the process they removed that womb, but she didn't tell the man, and they got married, and now they didn't have any child, so she went to Dad and said." Um, I want a child, and why should? And that was what happened. And why she was still trying to dribble the matter, the Holy Ghost, in His wonderful fashion, came and said, "She's lying." Ask her to tell you the truth. So she ended up telling the truth, and the Holy Ghost said to her that if she can go to her husband and tell the truth and ask for His forgiveness, the Lord will give her a child. She was like, "Are you not hearing me? I said." the doctors have removed the womb. And that is said, are you not hearing me? The Lord said, if you can go, say sorry to your husband, apologize, tell him what happened and all that. You will have a child. So she went and told the man, and the man was like, normally I should kick you out. But you and your pastor are both mad. So I want to see, <laughs> I want to see where this child is going to come from. So he didn't get rid of her out of. Like, I want to see. Ladies and gentlemen, she had that child. She had that child. There was one that, that they kept checking and that, and they said, Oh, she's got fibroid. No, yeah, no, this one is not fibroid. It is a baby. It, the doctor said, It's fibroid. Dad said, It's a baby. Woman, what do you see? Fibroid or baby? Uh, baby. Uh, is baby. It eventually it was baby. Thank God for doctors. Thank God for medicine. Thank God for medication. You know what? You know my what, the fun, this this sentence that makes me laugh the most when it comes to doctors when say ah this particular drug has zero side effects like right, <laughs> right. But we thank God for all those because it is also God that gave the wisdom for many of those things. And also God gives the wisdom and then the wisdom to not only discover that thing, but to also put it in a process that even people that are not born again can still access that level of wisdom. You know, I was studying the book of John uh, recently. And one of the things I understood is that the book of John 1 says Christ is the light that lighted the world and that light became the life of men. So even though you've not accepted Jesus by confessing him as Lord, the reason you ever popped up here in the first place was because that light, Jesus, shined on you. The only difference is that so, so the fact that it was the light Jesus that shined on you, that gave you life, already means that you originate from him. Because the Bible says there was nothing that was made that was made outside him. So you might not acknowledge him as Lord, as your savior, but he is Lord by virtue of the fact that he was the one that, activate, that gave you the life you have. So on that basis of living the life of Jesus in the sense of existence and creation, man can also access certain things. So even, that's why you see that even though people are not born again, they can obey spiritual laws. They can obey laws that God has instituted. It was God that instituted those laws, but he instituted those laws and the covenant he made was, he made that covenant with man, not born again man. So that even people that are not born again, if they follow those laws by virtue of them being human beings, those laws Will work for them. The law of sowing and reaping is not for born again people, it is for human beings. So if you are human and you sow, you must that means even if the man is the most evil thing since bread, if he if he has a revelation of the of the spirit. Of, of the law of sowing and reaping. If he goes about sowing, if, if he's evil, if he's not a good person, but he understands how to give, to give, to give to the poor, to things, to, to, to society, to everything, he will still be evil, he will still go to hell, but he will go to hell as the cousin of the rich man in hell. You understand me? His soul will be lost, but he will be rich. Because he has sown, he must... And the, same, the other side of that matter is as children of God. If you say, I am the child of God, and you do not operate those laws, you don't invest in your mind, you don't invest in expanding your capacity... You will still be the child of God. When that person dies, he will go to the bosom of Abraham as Lazarus. You know how Lazarus died? Died by the door, saw on his body. So you see many people, children of God, God is not denying them. There is children, but they will suffer as if God did not make them. Because the laws that God made available, they are not following them. Marriage, Marriage is divinely instituted but the institution of marriage is within the confines of man not the confines of born again. So that's why everything that man defines as marriage God recognizes. I don't want to start there but remember that Apostle Paul was saying that if you if you have the, the saved and the, if one is saved and the other is not saved, is, did he say that God didn't recognize that marriage? That means God recognizes marriage between unsaved people. That means the one you did in court, God can see, and God, God acknowledges it. The one you did in church, God acknowledges The one you did traditionally, God acknowledges it. The, so there is no argument between, uh, if you have not done traditional, you are not married. It is that within the confines of marriage, God, you, we as children of God expect to come before God, not be, not just human judges. We want to come before God to, con- to 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 consecrate what we are about to do. But it doesn't mean that God does not recognize the un- unbeliever that went to court. As far as God is concerned, let me tell As far as God is concerned, the day you went to Ikoyi court, you were married. The way the day you went so you, you were married when you went to go, you were married when you did the traditional. <laughs> you are <were> also married <laughs> when you did the church. Because marriage is a man is is an institution for man. And the proof of that is that when we get to heaven, what does the Bible say about marriage? Huh? Are people married in heaven? So that means it's not a salvation thing. It is An Adamic thing. It's a man thing. It is something confined to the realms of man. We must rightly divide the word of truth. So, number one, I said that we must what? What's the first point? Seek to understand what God has made available. Number two, settle is that not only God has made it available, it's it's possible for me. Many, many, how many of you believe God can give people billions? How many people believe that God can give them billions? Okay. We are getting somewhere. So, so, because, you know, you know, when you say, can God heal cancer, people say yes. But yet, if that person has cancer, they start to think, it's, maybe it's the will of God that they should die soon. You understand? So, you must not only be able to appreciate the fact that God can do everything. You must also come to the understanding that God can do everything for... I am qualified by the blood of Jesus to receive everything God can do. This, let me show you the danger of that theology. If you do not believe that God can do everything for you, then you start to also think that everything Jesus did in the Bible you don't, you not necessarily, doesn't necessarily mean you can do them. And if you ever get yourself to Jesus, what did Jesus say? Greater things than this shall ye do if you cannot accept that scripture literally, you are going to start rationalizing why you cannot heal the sick and raise the dead. You say, because I'm not Jesus. And then people will come and say, oh, because God, the Bible says that God gave Jesus the Holy Spirit without measure. What is the meaning of the Holy Spirit without measure? Because it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit Jesus received, he was full, the one you received was half. Is that what it means? What's the meaning of without measure? Mountain of transfiguration. Uh, if I remember, that would be Matthew 17. Go to Matthew 17. Let me show you something. Um, I want. I don't want to read it from Matthew. There's something I want to specifically show you. Jesus, when Jesus was saying, um, "Clothe me with the glory I had, the glory I had before you, before the foundation of the world," it's still the story of transfiguration. But it's not the matter. I want you to specifically read that passage. I'm going to find it. Because yeah, um John 17 John 17 Is it John 17? Huh? And now, O oh Father, glorify Thou me with, the, with Thou me with Thyself with Thy own self with the glory that I had before the foundation of the world. You know, in at transfiguration, the Lord Jesus was speaking. Was was the Bible says it was is it was changed, and it glowed. You know what that glowing me? What do you think that glowing means? Anybody, if you were to explain that glory, what would you say it was? Huh? contribute, yeah, I know it's Sunday service, but I like people to also contribute Anybody anybody. Nobody wants to say anything. Any, okay. Um, eh? <laughs> <huh? laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, go on. Yeah, like the glow of my name is <laughs> Sunshi. Sunshine. Where did you say that? This is John but John seventeen was not the transfiguration, was it? <laughs> John seventeen was when Jesus was preparing to die. John seventeen transfiguration was Matthew seventeen. Anyway, the the reason I had, I went there is because people confuse people like like now it comes to said ah, the glory i had before the foundation but when jesus was praying that prayer i wasn't praying it at transfiguration he was praying it when he was getting set to die that because that whole speech of jesus started actually around verse chapter 14 of of um 14 of john the uh, the true vine uh, chapter 15 the true vine and that old prayer continued to his prayer and all that so that prayer of the glory before the foundation of the world was not a transfiguration what happened at transfiguration was that he was praying and the Bible says the, his countenance was altered and his raiment glowed what happened at transfiguration was the Lord Jesus Christ revealing the glory that man had before man fell. So at Transfiguration, Jesus basically went back to the state that Adam was before the fall. If Jesus had been going around glistening, <laughs> you think anybody would be brave enough to catch him and kill him? You think so? So at that point, the Lord had to. So most of faculties like that were shut down. But. Adam had a glory and I want that's a it's a long teaching, I don't want to start it. But Romans says for all have sinned and done what? That glory is because many times we think it's figurative. It's not figurative. So, what man did was that man fell short of glory. So, there was a level of glory that man had, but man fell short of it by virtue of sin. So, if now a sinless man comes along, that means that sinless man can attain to that glory. Part of that glory was what happened on the month of transfiguration. So, Jesus was... I, this glory was not specific to Jesus. Was this specific to Jesus? Did Moses not glow? Did Stephen not glow? The Bible says they looked on Stephen and saw that he looked like an angel. So So the man, and if you say Jesus was God, that's why. Was Moses God? Was Stephen God? So this glory that came upon them was glory that. Now imagine what Adam would have looked like. So when Adam said, I hid myself and I was afraid because I was what? It's not because he suddenly looked himself and and saw his anatomy. No. It was because something died. A covering vanished. And his conclusion was that I am So the nakedness of Adam and Eve was not that they realized that they were not wearing clothes. It was that the glory that covered them died. You know, I told my wife this or this, guy, she was like, "Okay, you have caught Because you know, there there was a, a study that was done, and they actually were able to prove that blood is congealed light. At at a microscopic level, you are made up of what? You are made up of cells, and at the level you are made up of, chemically speaking, you are made up of atoms. Are you not made up of atoms? What are atoms made of? Protons. What's proton? Proton is where you get the word photo from. What's photo? So when it comes right down to it, what you are being of light how that light would have manifested before man fell. <laughs> so, you, 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 know, you understand where you are coming from. So, you can, even if you look through the physics of it, if at an atomic level, you emit light, what do you think you would have looked like before man fell? So, the corruption where everything is decaying and all that and all that is because... Anyway... The whole point of that is that I said of that is to say that there is nothing that Jesus was in this world that we cannot be. That is the whole call of a child of God to grow to the stature of the fullness of Christ. Such that the only way, the only things that Jesus is greater than us will be in things like He's the only begotten Son. We are all children of God, but we the rest of us are adopted. do you know we are adopted? That's what the scripture says, that we are adopted children of God. Jesus is the only begotten. The rest of us are adopted. But we have, but adopted children, even legally speaking, have the exact same rights as begotten children. That the things, that the things that God will be great, Jesus will be greater than us, will be things of the administration of the entire realm of the the workings of God. Because then he goes back into, you know Jesus is in heaven as a man. Do you know that Jesus is in heaven as flesh and bone, and with holes in his hand and his leg and his side and everything. Yet is is he any less God because he's in heaven? His body of a man. So don't let anybody ever tell you that anything Jesus did, you might not be able to do because Jesus had the Holy Ghost without measure. You have the Holy Ghost. What's the definition of measure? What that passage is talking about is the fact that the Holy, Jesus was only given to Jesus to, to the Holy, he said that the Holy Ghost could express himself freely. the, the measure, measurelessness of the Holy Ghost in the life of Jesus spoke to how available the vessel of Jesus was for the Holy Ghost to be man in to be God fully in a man. So the so what that scripture should bath in us is not a conclusion that uh there's no way I can reach Jesus' status. No, it is to bath that how did Jesus become so yielded that the Holy Ghost could move. There was nothing th- if the Holy Ghost became a man, he wouldn't have done more than Jesus did. That's what it means. If the Holy Ghost said, let me let me also become a man and walk this planet, the Holy Ghost would not have done more than Jesus did. No more, no less. So, to the full extent that the Holy Ghost could express himself, he found expression in Jesus. So, we also must strive that the Holy Ghost would also find that kind of expression in your vessel. Not, now read it as, oh, why do we, let's not, let's not bother. Because that is one other thing that is creeping into the church today. Where people are starting to give up, starting to give up on, on striving because they are like, I'm saved. And if I don't sin, I'm not going to hell. So let's just, like my grandmother, say, let's just parliament ourselves until we, we get to heaven. If you get to heaven like a weakling, when you get to heaven, Jesus will give you a handkerchief. In the Bible, it's not there. Said he will wipe away. Yes, Jesus will give you a handkerchief and say, weep, weep, don't weep anymore, my child. So we must it's not it, it's not just that we are saved and it is done and we cannot go. No, you must also keep striving to get to that and hmm. that you, you know. My, one of my favorite stories is the story of Stephen. Apart from the lunacy of the people that stoned him, the Bible says they saw him and his face shone like an angel and they still concluded that the logical response to somebody that was shining like an angel, like Moses their lawgiver, the logical response was to stone him. It wasn't that their response. They, they acknowledged that he was shining like an angel and the logical response was let us they weren't afraid. But that story, the Bible says that Stephen looked up into heaven and his eyes opened and he saw the Lord Jesus, what? The Lord Jesus was standing because his son was coming. How do you think Stephen entered heaven? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the sound uh, the God was saying that uh, he had a young associate and the associate was, the associate was like, I think, 27 he had just, the associate got married recently and then the associate died. This was, the man and the son of God and his associate were going everywhere together, ministering. He was his personal assistant and all that. The associate got married, and I think six months after marriage, the associate died. So the man of God was so broken. He said he didn't pray. That he was so broken, he couldn't even bring himself to pray. And that for days he was just sorrowing. Like, if you are going to kill the boy, why did you let him get married? Now there is a poor woman crying because if you are going to take him home, why bother? So the man, the, it is okay to have questions. Don't ever, it is okay. Don't let people smuzzle you and say you can't question God. You can ask questions. You cannot blame God. Don't blame God, but you can ask for understanding of why that thing is happening. So don't let people say, ah, uh, don't question God. It, you, you, of course, you cannot question the sovereignty of God. You can't, there are many, th- for me, I've settled that if something goes wrong, it is never God's fault. So I'm not going to stand there and be saying, God, why are you blind? Do you not see? God, did-? you don't do that. But you can say, God, this is beyond me. I don't understand why this is going the way it is going. What is going on here? If you don't ask questions, don't expect answers. So the man of God is there, like, oh God, how did, why, why, why? So he said one day he 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 dragged himself. Let's this God that has killed my assistant. <laughs> let's even go and try to talk to him. So this was after like how many So he said he he went to his prayer place. As his knees hit the floor like this, the Lord Jesus turned up. The Lord Jesus said, How long are you going to be sorrowing for my son? Let me show you how that matter went. Number one, the guy had finished his job. His job was done. That's why he went through. Number two was that the Lord now showed the servant, his servant the reception that young man got. So, man servant was caught up into heaven and he was watching what happened when that young man came in. The ceremony that the young man came into. He said all his sorrow, <laughs> man, like, can I stay here too? <laughs> 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 he said his sorrow completely died. So when he when he came back to himself, he just goes, I, I apologize. I was running my mouth. But thank you for understanding. And, and you know, well because without understanding, the man was sh- shattered. You know, Dad was preaching somewhere this week, and he told that story. It's one of my favorite stories of the missionary that was flying. God, he had finished his missionary, while he was flying back into his country, and there was an army general on the plane. And so, you know, the army general was coming, and there was all this military. Wow, yeah, yeah. You know, that pomp that comes with the military. And and the servant of God was like, "See, me, I've been serving you for twenty something years in in the middle of China. So, his son had died. His things had happened to him." And this missionary was broken-hearted. And the Lord said, ah, why are you sad? You are not home yet. The general was home. But the servant of God was not yet home. Well, yeah, You are not, you are not. coming home. You see when you come home. Hmm. God will give us understanding of perspectives and context. Like we were saying in the car this morning that people... People will say things like, uh, "We were," uh, we who say things like, uh, "This person was such a bad person," and then the person died without paying. And people will say, "Ah, he, he he lived a wicked life." You've heard stories like that before. That this man was so bad, and he didn't find justice, and then he died. He didn't find justice according to who. It is from our own reference, frame of reference that we are saying he didn't find justice. When you see his punishment in the reference of God, you will pray apology prayer for him. That same person you think is the devil. When you see what is waiting for him on the other side, you will you will pity your 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 sense of his evil will vanish and you will feel sorry. God is a bookkeeper the books will be balanced. Whether here or there. Whatever balancing, hmm, the, the, there is nothing in this place that can be enough punishment for certain things. What, what, what is the limit of our justice system here? Somebody kills, somebody kills somebody. They say life imprisonment. The same judge that said life imprisonment will now come back and say he recommends that the person must spend at least Twenty. That is to say, the person you gave life imprisonment, if you don't put that recommendation, the parole board can meet in 10 years and set him free. And then we say people didn't find justice. Is that justice? Even if you jail the person for, you know, you've seen people that are jailed for, they say they they, they, they found them guilty on eight counts and each count carries 40 years. And for some cases, they say you serve it concurrently. Such that all the 40... For the eight crimes are running, they start running the same day and will expire the same day. That is to say, in 40 years, and that person will be free. In some cases, they will say they will serve it cons- consecutively, such that 40 plus 40, plus 40, plus 40 plus so that the person, in the effect, will die there. Excuse me, has that comforted the woman whose son he killed? Because when we pursue justice in the way we think justice is, at the end of it, we still realize that it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. So, why not leave it to the God that, whose skills cannot be adjusted? Such that eventually, when he does the balancing, every creation, even the 24 elders, will eyes and say, You are just and true. Just and true. Quickly, let me just give us three points. So, the remaining three. The third point is that we need to expand the range of our minds. In Romans chapter 12. Oh, Lord, this is getting long. Help me. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Note. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And what is the reason? Are you checking your Bible? What does this say the reason is? It says that ye may be able to prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. This passage itself causes trouble because people come around and say there are three types of the will of God. There's the good, there's the acceptable, there's the perfect. But also, this same passage speaks of the fact that the will of God is good, the will of God is acceptable, the will of God is perfect. Whichever side of that fence you sit on, I'm not going to deal with it today. But the point is that it says, be transformed by the renewing. He didn't say renewing of your spirit. he said renewing of your what? What is your mind? Your intelligence, your intellect, your brain. And, the, and so that you'll be able to prove what? the will, That means there's a transformation that can happen in your mind that causes you to be able to prove the will of God. The will of God is spiritual but has a physical expression. But it's not saying that it is the renewing of your spirit that will cause you to be able to prove that will. It says the what? The renewing of your what? Of your mind. That that means that means it's not just your spirit that you must drag into the things of God. Your mind also must get to that point where you can you are transformed enough to to envisage to be able to to conceptualize to be able, if you want to prove something you must know it so you can prove it. That means you don't only do the things of God by your spirit. You also do the things by your sense. You know, Daddy would say that when the, when the Lord gave you the Holy Ghost, did He take away your common sense? So that means there is a place where the mind gets, there is a, a, a work of the mind in the proving of the will of God. Another word for proving is, is the discerning of the will of God. It's the, it's the I wrote them down here, uh, yeah? The discerning, the recognition, and the response. So you don't only serve God with your spirit. You also serve God with your mind. You also serve God with your body. The the three of them are different levels of salvation. Your spirit is already saved. Your mind is being transformed. Your body will be saved at resurrection. So even God does not ignore your body. So why should you remove your body in the equation of the service to God? There are many times you will only come to church by an act of your own will. Has it happened to you before? That the only reason you dragged... I'm sure you would appreciate what I'm saying that sometimes the only reason you dragged yourself here this morning is because of an act of your own will, of a transformation that has happened in your mind that says, how can they, how can it be said that I did not go to church on Sunday? It is that transformation that has not happened in some people that they say, I'm not going to, I'm too tired. But if you know that you have gotten to that point in your own spirit where it is, it has become, it is not that, how can I not? That is not your spirit talking. That is that you have gotten to that place mentally that it's a mental thing. And how can I sleep in bed by 10.30 in the morning, even if I can join online? It's a place you have gotten to in your own mind that you will drag both your... Sometimes you need your will to grab your spirit on one hand. The spirit will be willing, clearly. So the spirit will follow. But you did your will to drag your body. That one will not be willing. So the Spirit will follow you will lead the Spirit first. But you need to drag both of them into the doing and the response to the will of God. Hallelujah. Number four is that we need to seek the work associated with the dimensions of God that is required. There is When you are having faith for great things, then you are most likely going to be required to do great things. When you are trusting God for great things, you need great faith. But also beyond great faith, you need to take great steps of faith. Greatness is born of greatness. So there is something that you will do. And when I say something that you will do, many times God doesn't, for example, you can have 5,000 pounds in your bank account. God might say, give me the whole 5,000. But God might also say, don't give me the whole 5,000. God might say, give me 500, but go and give it to this person. And that person is the last person on the planet you will give money to. You understand? So it is, it is not that great things is not always the fact that all the biggest money you can find. Sometimes it is your 20 pounds. But it might be that what God is dealing with is your response to the person he's going to ask you to give it to. So they will now say, give 50, give 20 pounds to that beggar. knowing fully well that that beggar is probably going to take your 20 pounds and go and buy cigarettes with it. So because you already know that that's what some of them do, you are you are battling into your head that why should i give my 20 pounds that the better option that, which many people do is that when they see people begging they enter mcdonald's buy them an actual meal and give the meal to the person you know the homeless person or something that's what many that's the way that many people have gotten around to doing these things but the lord might say don't go by mcdonald's give that cash And I have found that some of these homeless people are some of the most generous people you will ever see. Because what's going to happen is, what you don't know is that another homeless person might come soon and that homeless person will say, let us share this money. They might not be able to share the McDonald's meal you bought because he would have eaten it. But he might say, okay, here is 10 pounds out of the 20 pounds somebody gave me. You don't know that. But now there's a battle in your head that, no, he's going to use my money to smoke weed. Even if he uses the money to smoke weed, how does it bother you? You've obeyed, you have obeyed. That is the mentality that makes people question what the church does. You know, there are churches where they ask the pastor to come with the church account and come and tell us the 200 pounds we pay, show us where it went. The the 500, that the pastor has to stand in front of the committee meeting and starts to justify. Where 20 pounds went, 50 pounds went, or 10 pounds went. I am all for accountability. We must be able, I am all for traceability. Let us not be throwing church's money into a sinkhole that we can't find. But yet. And the last one himself is the role of the Holy Ghost in faith. Many times, the Holy Ghost is the only one that can furnish faith. It doesn't matter how you push it. Has this ever happened to you before that you are trying to believe God for something great, but your faith is failing? Have you seen it? Jude 20, building up yourselves in your most holy faith. Doing what? And I've told us that that passage doesn't even only talk of our faith in terms of we being Christians. It also talks about being able to generate the faith required for you are believing God. So if you are trying to believe God for something and your faith is shaking, One of the ways you can shock your faith is to pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Just keep praying. Just keep praying. The day will come that when you say, Lord, I trust you for something, every fiber of your being would agree with you. On that day, you have broken into greater faith than you are capable of. So when the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith, he said, if you have faith like the mustard seed, you will see unto this mountain move. That mustard seed will grow. That mustard seed will go. Just say, Lord, I have faith. Lord, I believe. Just say to Lord quickly, Lord, I believe. It says, according to your faith, be it unto you. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. Your word says it is possible. I agree with your word. Show me what to do as proof of alignment to your word. You can take the five steps into, into your prayers as you just respond to God. It's number one, the fact that God says it is possible. Number two, the fact that you agree with God that it is possible. Number three, the fact that you have agreed to walk upon your mind such that there's a transformation that happens in your mind where your mind is no longer fighting the words of God but your mind is agreeing and aligning with the word of God. Number four is that the power to do the work necessary for the manifestation of that which you have been faithful and number five is that the Holy Ghost would help us. Ask that the Holy Ghost will help you in the name of Jesus. Holy Ghost we receive help. We receive help. We receive help. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Roshal, Abraham, to Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. In 30 seconds, I want you to just speak to the Lord and tell him. If there's something specific that you want us to agree with, you don't need to say it out loud. But God can hear you. Just say, Lord, this is what I'm trusting you for. Oh, Father, we join our faith together. Trusting you for the things that your people are speaking to you about. Oh Lord, as they say it, answer them speedily on time. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the entrance of your word. Gives light, gives understanding to the simple. Holy Ghost, I ask. That the practicality of faith will be real to your people. That we won't be limiting ourselves by what we believe for. But the grace to believe you for outrageous things. The grace to believe you for things that are worthy of asking the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let that faith rest upon us. In Jesus name we pray.